performance-driven society. Whether it's sports, music, entertainment, politics, and unfortunately, if we're honest, it's even in the church. Now, here's the thing. A little healthy competition can be good. It can push you and drive you to do things that you probably normally wouldn't do on your own. But we also have to be very honest about it, that there's kind of a, a dark underbelly that can be there in competition as well. Sometimes competition can lead to pride or idolatry. And the other downside that can be there is, if you're not good at it, you may feel inferior. You may feel like you're not good enough to do something. And this is where my heart breaks the most because I see it happen so often in the church. We don't feel comfortable or, or like we're qualified to be able to, to be a minister or to be a missionary. And, and so we think, oh, we got to leave that to the professionals. But what I want us to see this morning as we dive into the text in just a moment is exactly how you can be and how you're called and equipped to be. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 together. And as you're turning there, I want to give you the one big thing. The one big thing this morning is this. Share the gospel and leave the outcome up to God. So how do we do that? Let's look. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to ask you if you can, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word together? It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity just to study it. And Lord, I pray that we would come humbly before your throne, yet boldly seeking you, desiring to hear from you and be transformed by you. And so Lord, as your spirit teaches us the word this morning, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Again, the one big thing is this. Share the gospel and leave the results up to God. There are four truths about sharing the gospel in this text that we want to see. The first one is this. Sharing the gospel is a privilege, not a burden. Look how chapter 4 verse 1 opens. Therefore... Now, that is a connector word. It is Paul saying, what I'm about to talk about deals with what I just talked about. And in chapter 3, Paul was talking about how every member has been given a ministry. And we're a missionary. And so in light of that, he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. And so what I want you to understand this morning as we open 
is you are in ministry. Every blood-bought, born-again child of God, you are in ministry. And that ministry is to make much of Jesus. It is to share the gospel with God, those that God places you in front of. And so everywhere you go, since you are in ministry, it is in a mission field. So seeing that we have this ministry as we have received mercy. So why is it that you and I should view our lives as ministers in a mission field? Because we have been given mercy. What's he talking about? Our salvation. God has not given us what we deserve. That's mercy. Rather, he has bestowed on us what we do not deserve. That's grace. And so what Paul is saying is, we are in ministry because we have been saved. And so this, again, it applies to every one of you who has trusted in the grace of Jesus Christ to save you. Ministry isn't just for a few, it's for all. This is where Paul is going here. And, and so he says, and we faint not. You know, sometimes I think we, we have lost the awe of what it means to be used by God. We, we just kind of take things for granted. But look, look at what he says in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure. Now, the treasure is not us. The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That, that is our earthly bodies. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Paul is going, listen, we have the gospel living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to make much of Jesus. You know, John the Baptist there in, in John 3, he, he's talking about that he must increase and I must decrease. John is going, listen, my ministry isn't about me, it's about Jesus. And, and in the same way, your life, my life, isn't about us. The, the church isn't about those who are gathered here. The church is a missionary outpost for those who have not yet received the gospel. And so we have to have that mindset, mindset shift that this is just a rest stop so that we can go further with the gospel. And we have it. I mean, out of everything that God created, and everything you and I look at, God created it. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, And the heavens declare the glory of God. Out of everything he created, do you know that he chose to use us? God doesn't need us, but he desires us. God could have used anything he wanted to, to share the truth of the gospel. And he chose broken, fallen, imperfect people. Why? So that the power would be revealed to be God and not us. So often we think, well, God can't use me because I'm not that good at, at, at talking about the gospel or, or sharing or, or any of those things. We, we leave them to the quote-unquote polished professionals. What the scripture says, that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses you and I to do what he's called us to do. And that is to show this, 
that if Jesus Christ can save a wretch like me, he can save anybody else. Hey, that, that's the glorious, this is the gospel, that if God can save me, he can save anybody, right? I mean, do you remember where God found you? Do you remember what sin-filled, sick ditch he rescued you up? That depth of hell he reached down to to pull you up by his grace? If he can do that for you, I promise you, he can use you to reach anybody else in this world. And so we need to, to learn to view it in a proper perspective. I love the way Pastor Warren Wearsby put it. Uh, he said this, quote, The way you look at your ministry will determine how you fulfill your ministry. End quote. And, and so for the first question of the morning, I want to ask you this. Do you see sharing the gospel as something you have to do or something you get to do? That will determine how enthusiastically and how regularly we share. But the second thing that we see in this text about sharing the gospel is this. It should be done simply and straightforward. Look there in verse 2. Paul says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul's going, I didn't come to you trying to get rich. I didn't come to you with a bunch of high, big theological words. I came to you with simple words and a simple lifestyle that simply pointed you to Jesus. See, for Paul, life wasn't about him. His ministry was about revealing Jesus. Look at verse 5. He says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Paul's going, I'm not the point. But notice then, he says, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So Paul saw God save him for the purpose of reaching others. Paul didn't view his salvation as just something about him. He saw it in a bigger picture, that God saved me to reach you. He saw himself as a servant of the people. Paul renounced all rights to his life. He said, I'm a slave. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And so where God sends me, that's where I'm going to go. Who he sends me to, that's who I'm going to talk to. But I think one thing that's happened, because we have come up with so many programs, okay, I mean, there's faith evangelism, there's the evangelism explosion, uh, share Jesus without fear. There's a whole lot of other evangelism programs. They can be very helpful, but I think we've done two things in the church. Number one, we have made things, we have made the gospel too difficult in some ways. And in some ways, we've made the gospel too easy. Now you're probably going, huh? It's like a contradiction. How can something be too hard and too easy? We've made it so hard because we have elevated the traditions of man to the teachings of Scripture and say, if you're really going to be saved, then you've got to look like me, act like me, talk like me, walk like me. But look at what Paul says. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. See, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, this, that is the gospel message. But in a way, we've also made it too easy. 
And what I mean by that is this. You have probably, and I've been in services in which somebody would be up on a platform or, or a stage, and they would say, if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. And then they say a two, three-minute prayer, and they say, if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, I just want you to slip your hand up and just let me know. Oh, God bless you, God bless you, right? I mean, we've all been in those, those services. And so what we have reduced the gospel to is this. If I say some formulaic prayer, then I must be saved, and I can go about living my life however I want to. Right, because what happens, nine times out of ten, when that person slips their hand up and the service is over, there's no follow-up. There's no going, hey, do you understand what sin is? Do you understand the decision you just made? Like, I'm not doubting the sincerity of their decision. Please don't misunderstand it. But there's no follow-up. No, do you really get what you just did? Because a a call to follow Jesus, if we are surrendering to the grace of God through faith, our lives are going to be changed. We're not going to be the same. And so what we have done too often is we have said, say a prayer, walk an aisle, and you've got your get out of hell free card, and we're not going to deal with how you're living the rest of your life. And my concern is this, that we are giving a false assurance to millions of people, they believe they are saved, and on the judgment day, God's going to go get out, I don't know you. Guys, that scares me. And that's a terrifying thing to think that we could mislead somebody about what does it mean to follow Jesus. Because to surrender our heart to the gospel doesn't mean I get to live however I want. I go from a servant of sin to a servant of my Savior. And that requires an intentional walk and accountability and love from the brotherhood of a community of believers. I believe we need to return to the simplicity of Scripture. When we're sharing the gospel, again, so many people go, you know, I know I should, I wish I could, but I just can't remember that big, long formula and all the things I'm supposed to say. Simply and straightforward. What do we do? You know, at the end of Genesis 1, God looked at everything he created and said behold it's very good but then Adam and Eve were tempted and they chose to rebel against God they introduced sin into the world and it messed everything up in the world from that time forward and not only did Adam and Eve sin but we're all sinners by birth because David in the psalm says you know behold I've been conceived in iniquity or, or in sin but he, he goes on to say in Romans 3, Paul says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. You know, the reality is you and I are sinners by birth and by choice. We choose to rebel against God. And God would have been just to leave us and, and give us exactly what we deserve, which is a place known as the lake of fires, eternal separation, a place of torment. But God in his love And in his grace, he sent his son Jesus to come and die in our place. Not when we were good enough. Not because we can be good enough. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Will you turn from trusting in yourself to trusting in what Jesus did? Is that simple and straightforward and easy enough to understand? Absolutely. Here's the thing. We're going to dive more into this uh, Lord willing Wednesday night. I have two preferred methods when it comes to evangelism. Um, one, I, I love technology, so there's an app. It's been developed by the North American Mission Board. It's called Three Circles. Uh, it's free in Google or the Apple stores there. It's really simple because you can sit there and just touch your screen on your phone and, and it will put it there. And you don't have to worry about memorizing because it's right there at the bottom. Um, it, it's really effective. It, it's a terrific approach. The other one is I love to carry a pocket New Testament with me that have highlighted verses. Okay, and on top of every page, I say turn to page. That way, in case I forget what I'm doing, I know what page to turn to. And, and what's highlighted? Well, the first one is Romans 3.23, for all the sin that comes short of the glory of God. Now, here's the thing. I don't read that to them. Because one of the biggest objections people say when you go, hey, you're a sinner and you need to turn from your sin and be saved. One of their biggest comebacks is, that's what you say. I don't believe that. So what, what do we do to combat it? Well, we take that pocket New Testament, we turn it around, I hand it to them and say, hey, will you read that highlighted verse? What does that say? See, now it's not me saying it, it's the Spirit of God using the Word of God to convict and draw for salvation. All right, because remember what he said in, in verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. I have no power to save anybody. I have no eloquence of speech that will persuade them. Salvation is an act of God. And, and so just use, use the pocket New Testament with the high, verses highlighted and handed. What does that say? And walk them through the plan of salvation. Now, maybe you can't remember a big outline, but can you highlight a few verses and turn it and hand it to somebody and say, hey, can you read that and what does that say? Absolutely. You know, people go, well, how do you get into a conversation? Because it's kind of awkward, you know, you're talking about baseball or, or football or the weather or politics. How do I get into a, a gospel conversation? The same way you get into every other conversation. Ask a question. You know what one of my favorite ones is? What do you think happens to us when we die? Because it's been my experience, whether they are a believer or a hardened non-believer, they got an opinion on what happens to us when we die. And now there's the opportunity. It's simple. It's straightforward. And the thing is, it's not about us. It's about Christ. Don't get caught up in going, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. The Word of God says that the Spirit will give us the words that we are to say in that hour. So if we have been praying about being able to be used by God and share the gospel, and He presents us that opportunity, do you really think that the Holy Spirit is going to abandon you in that moment? No. He's going to give you the words. It's about being faithful. It's about loving God and desiring to be obedient. That, that's what it means to share the gospel in a simple, straightforward 
manner. Now, let's just be honest here. Because the third truth of it is this, that sharing the gospel will be difficult at times. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. Because we are sinners by birth and by choice, it is natural for us to rebel against authority. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Like, have you ever seen a toddler go, no, I don't want to? Have you ever seen a teenager go, you can't tell me what to do? Have you as an adult ever rebelled against authority and said, you can't tell me what to do, I know what I'm doing? Why? Because in our sin condition, we are sinners by birth and by choice, so we rebel against authority. Why? Because of verse 4. In whom the God of this world. Notice that God, that word God is lowercase g. That's a reference to Satan. So in whom Satan has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Church, we've got to understand. The work of salvation is a spiritual work. It is not a physical work mental or emotional thing that we can manipulate. It is part of spiritual warfare. It is part of what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6 when he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, what we are attempting to do is to share the message of hope and the gospel to a person who is clearly in the clutches of the kingdom of Satan. And you and I are powerless on our own to rip them from the kingdom of Satan and bring them to the kingdom of God. It's why we have to be men and women of prayer. Nothing of eternal value will be accomplished apart from the people of God being on their face, crying out to God. You want uh, want to see a country revitalized you want to see a church revitalized it is not going to be in eloquent pastoral ministry it's not going to be in snazzy teaching or great technology it is going to be people who are convinced their only hope is Jesus Christ and their only hope of penetrating the darkness of sin in their community is prayer that's what will revitalize your heart. It will revitalize your church. And it will revitalize your community. But we've got to understand that we are in a battle. Too many Christians treat each day out in the world like they're on a playground instead of a battleground. And frankly, that's why we're getting our backsides kicked by Satan. Because we're not putting on the armor of God because we don't think it's that big of a deal. But sharing the gospel is going to be difficult at times because it is not natural for you to go, you know what, you're right. I am completely messed up and capable of saving myself. We are taught from the moment we are essentially birthed, try harder, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, you can do this. All, all of these things. And so sharing the gospel is going to be difficult at times. 
And sometimes the attacks they're going to launch at you are going to be personal. And they're going to hurt. So what do you do? How do you handle that? You have to be convinced that Jesus is worth it. You have to be convinced that Jesus is worth everything I've got, including my life. That if, I, if I'm going to really love him, then I'm going to love those he died for, regardless of how they treat me. We've got to understand it's going to be difficult at times, but we're going we're to see the fourth movement in this text, and hopefully it's going to give you a, a shot in the arm. And it's this sharing of the gospel will lead some to be saved. Look there in verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Listen, living in a fallen world is hard. People are going to mistreat you. They are going to use you. They are going to abuse you. They are not going to want to listen to the truth you seek to share. But you cannot give up. You cannot let up. We have to continue to go. Why? Because we go knowing this. The victory is already certain. Jesus rose from the dead. We win. Game over. What can the world do to me or take from me that is actually valuable? The answer is nothing. Because the only thing I have of value, I didn't earn. It was given to me by the grace of God. And it's called my salvation. My salvation isn't in my home, my clothes, my cars. My salvation isn't in my wife. My salvation isn't in my kids. My salvation isn't even in my life. My salvation is that Jesus Christ died to save a wretch like me. He bestowed his grace on me. And that when he said it is finished on the cross, he meant the full and final payment for sin was paid. And when he walked out of that tomb on that Sunday morning, that resurrection Sunday, what it means for me is this. I win. Because he won. And we got to know this. Every no you hear to sharing the gospel brings you that much closer to the next yes. We ought to be waking up every morning praying, Lord, give me opportunities to share the gospel with somebody. And we ought to honestly believe everybody we share the gospel with is going to be saved. Now, we understand not everybody's going to be saved, right? But we ought to believe that as we share the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God, he's going to save some. And we might get a front row seat to watch the most awesome thing ever. God save somebody like us. We've got to believe that God is going to save some. That's why Paul says in chapter 4, look at the very end of verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have received this ministry, as we have received mercy, I've been saved, so I'm going to go. We faint not. Paul is going to talk about in the rest of this chapter and other places everything he has gone through. And Paul says, I have not given up, nor will I ever give up, because faith is the victory and the victory has been given. I'm not going to give up because I know God's going to save some. I don't know who it is. I don't know when it's going to be. But I'm going to continue to go and continue to share, believing that God in his grace and according to his promise 
he's going to save some. That's the hope. That's how we get up every day and we continue to push back against the darkness of the world that we're living in. Because i got to be really honest, if, if I did not believe that what God is doing in me and through me was going to amount to anything, I wouldn't do it, and neither would you. Do we believe it's worth it? Do we really believe it? I don't want you just to say, yes, I believe it. I want us, including, I want us to live it. How do you do this? The one point of application this morning, share the gospel. Guys, girls, the church needs to be involved in politics. We have to shine the light in the darkness. But when the world knows more about our political stance than they do about our Savior, we got a problem. When they know who our favorite sports team is, and they don't know how much we love Jesus, we have a problem. When they know where we spend our vacations and go for our hobbies, but they do not know where we go to worship and to praise Jesus Christ every week, we have a problem. If you cannot talk about Jesus, I don't think you know Jesus. Because to know Him is to love Him. Because He first loved us. So I'm going to ask, this is the fourth week, who is your one? Who have you been praying for by name every single day because you know that if their life ended today, it would be done. They would be cast from the presence of God for all of eternity. Who? Who are you praying for? Who are you asking God, give me the opportunity to share the truth of the gospel with? This week, our family and several others have stared in the face of the reality of eternity. It's a reality that every one of us is going to face one day. And the question that's run through my mind over and over this week is simply this. What if forever was closer than we thought? What if it was? Can I honestly say this morning, I'm ready. And I'm ready to see Jesus. If so, praise God. If not, that's why you're here. It's not about what you do. It's not about how good of a person you are. Because no amount of church attendance, Bible reading, praying, no amount of getting baptized is going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. The only thing that will get you into the kingdom of heaven is surrendering to the grace of God through faith and believing that Jesus died in your place, that he died the death that you owed so that we could have the life that we don't deserve. That's the only thing that's going to get you and I into the kingdom of God. 
to those of you who are saved here this morning, I want to simply ask this question. Are you okay with the family members, the friends, the neighbors, the co-workers, the acquaintances that you have? Are you okay with them dying today not having a relationship with Jesus? Can you honestly say, I'm okay if they go to hell? Then why are we staying silent? Because hell's not even the worst of it. There's the lake of fire at the very end. It's going to go from bad to worse. Are we going to be okay with it? And if we're not, then we better get busy. Because there are 4 billion people in this world that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. With all due respect, we can't sit back and let that be the pastors and the evangelists and the missionaries concerned. There's not enough of them to even put a dent in that 4 billion. We've got to see our role and our responsibility and glorify our Savior by sharing the gospel. Would you stand with me as we're going to pray together?